Well, if I've never met you before, my name is Mike. It's my honor to be on this journey with you over these next few weeks as we talk about how to win the day because really our lives are just a summation of our days. They're all of the days that we live put together. So if we can win every day, we can create a life that we always really wanted. And that's what we're going to talk about over these next few weeks. I want you to go ahead and get ahead a little bit. Turn to John 15. It's where we're going to be. We'll continue our study through the book of John. John 15. Uh, we'll start reading in verse 1. Also, you got your little... Um, uh, Worship God here earlier. It's been a long morning. All right, worship God, and that will be our guide as we work through. Well, this past week on Friday afternoon, we started getting calls about uh, all the folks evacuating out of Florida, um, a shortage of shelters here in our area. It's 4.30. I was in ball ground getting ready for a wedding Friday afternoon when the first call came in, and we began to talk, Jamie, Daniel, and I, and to our team and from Friday night, it was just an idea, hey, let's open up and open up as a shelter to today. The, the sheriff's office, all the police departments, uh, the 911 agencies are sending people to North Star. And the cool part was we were able to put it out online pretty quickly. As of Friday night, uh, when it was just an idea, now we have already placed a ton of families not that are going to be staying here, which we're going to open up for, but that are staying with families that have opened up their homes and just said, come on. One family said, we'll give you our house and you can stay here. We'll go down and, and stay with our family at the end of the street. And uh, it has been amazing watching North Star be the church and win the day for bringing waters and snacks. And we're going to be a first responders place. So we're going to be providing food to all the first responders. The other cool part was Summit Baptist Church and uh, Freedom are partnering with us. And they're going to be providing host homes. So if you say, man, Mike, I want to help. All right, you can go to northstarchurch.org slash shelter, and that will tell you all the ways to help. If you want to sign up, we're going to be clearing our main compass room. For those of you in True North, if you want to come down and help, clearing compass room at the end of our hour and using this as a shelter as well because the thinking is a lot of families are going to get stuck on 75 and not have anywhere to go. Last service, we had a number of families that were up here uh, staying with family and friends so would y'all join me and just give a hand to our amazing people at North Star for the great job that they've done for our staff. Unbelievable. So, so proud of our church. So let's dive in. What does it mean to win the day? Jesus has just finished what we know as the upper room. His last night with his disciples. You remember that night he broke bread with them? He told him his body was going to break and he was going to shed his blood on their behalf. They're stunned. They're bewildered. Then he begins to tell them, I'm going away, but I'm going to prepare a place, but I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send someone that's going to help you do even greater things than me. And he sent the Holy Spirit. We spent a whole week in our last series talking about what the Holy Spirit's role in a believer's life is. Well, now they finish that time in the upper room. We know Judas left. There's 11 of the guys left. They finish that time in the upper room. And now they leave the upper room. They're going to walk through the Mount of Olives area by the temple, which they all had grown up this massive structure on the top of this hill. On the outside of the temple, there was this golden vine 
that was on the outside of the temple. That vine, for all the years these guys had known, had represented the nation of Israel. So they all saw this vine. So they've left the upper room. They're walking out. They're walking by the temple on their way down to the Garden of Gethsemane. And they look up and they see this vine that they've seen for years on the front of the temple. And Jesus, we believe, most scholars think, then begins his conversation with them at this point. John 15, verse number one. And remember, at this point, they're just talking, all right? So let's, let's see what Jesus says to them. I am the what vine? What does he say there? The true vine. Israel's been the vine. Hey, guys, not anymore. It's a game-changing day. I am the true vine. This is a really big deal for us to get. It's a really big deal because everything that comes from this point forward is all about this incredible, remember he made seven I am statements in the book of John. This is the biggie. I am the true vine and my father, he's the vine dresser or the gardener. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes it away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he what? He prunes. So he takes away the ones that don't bear fruit, but he prunes the ones that do bear fruit. How many of y'all have ever pruned something in your yard before? Raise your hand. You've pruned it. I remember Ann and I, we bought the house that we're staying in we're living in now gosh just 17 years ago and and uh we moved in i had some crepe myrtles that run along our driveway and everybody said you got to get them pruned and that's really not my gig and so i i got a guy at north star i said would you come prune them for me and i came he came that afternoon and pruned them and i called him that night went dude you killed the crepe myrtles you killed them he's like no i pruned them i went no, you didn't. You killed them. There ain't nothing left. I mean, they're cut down to the wood. He's like, man, you don't know nothing. All right? That's what he told me. He was in the last service. He was back there laughing. Man, you don't know nothing. You got to prune it back for, for it to be all it was created to be. Now, listen to what he says. Remember, his father's the gardener. Every branch that does bear fruit he prunes or lifts up and cleans that it may bear what fruit? More fruit. So his goal for our lives just isn't to bear fruit, it's to bear more fruit. Already you're clean because of the word I've spoken to you and this is the, this is the thought behind win the day. Ready? He looks at his guys and I have a feeling he pauses. He looks at them and says, abide in me abide in me literally abiding means and I want you to write this at the top of your outline because it's, it's what the whole series is about make your home with me that's what he says make your home with me every time you hear the word abide think of the phrase make your home with me abide in me guys I'm going away but you're still going to make your home with me. Look at what he says. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you, what's the word again? Abide in me. You want to win the day? Abide in me. 
You want to make your life count? Do it with me. You want to have a great marriage and be a great dad and a great husband and a great father and a great mom and a great friend and a great worker and a great leader? You want to do that? Abide in me. Make your home in me. Don't visit me. Don't come say hello. Make your home in me. And look at what he says in verse 5. I am the vine, and you, to his disciples and to us, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. You want your life to count? Abide in me. You want to live a life that doesn't matter and has no lasting effects? Do it by yourself. Walk on your own. Walk apart from me. Live independently. Because apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. But if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And we'll talk about that in a second, what that means. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. He's telling his guys, you want to make a mark? You want to glorify my Father in heaven? Abide in me and bear much fruit. Then people will know that you are my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I love you. And then he says that word again, do what in my love? Oh, we can do better than that. Do what in my love? Abide. Make your home. Think about this picture. Make your home in my love. Don't leave that house. Don't leave that house. Because there's going to be days that stuff happens around you that's going to make you think I don't love you. No, abide in my love. Make your home in my love. Stay inside that shelter. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. So He lays, I'm telling you, we could spend a year just in these verses, literally. We could just take them apart little bit by little bit. We're going to take a little broader stroke at it. He tells us a couple things. Who did he say was the vine? Well, he was, right? Jesus is the vine. And then what did he say we are? We're the branches. So a branch's job is to be a what? A branch, that's a branch's job, right? So a branch's job is to remain attached to the vine. If you take a branch, disconnect it from the vine and go, I hope this grows some fruit, is that going to happen? Uh, no, all right, that is not going to happen. I don't know what kind of gardening. I don't know if y'all listen to Walter Reeves on Saturday morning on, on WSB, but he does a gar great gardening show, and he's always talking about stuff. Well, Walter Reeves would never say, uh, disattach yourself from the vine and go do your own thing. It doesn't work that way. He said, he is the vine. We're the branches, and who's the gardener? His father. His father's gardener. And here's the point. The point is that if we learn in the middle of this crazy life to live in him, we can win the day. And that's what we're going to talk about. Would you pray with me? 
Father, I know that each of us have so many things on our minds. But God, I just pray just for a few, few, few minutes this morning that you get some of us up out of the dirt, you pick us up, you clean us. For some of us, you would begin the process of pruning. And what may be difficult always brings more fruit. So God, speak to us, show us, teach us. And God, I pray at the end of this journey together that we begin to win more days. Because when we win more days, our lives make more of a difference for you. And that's what this is all about. This is not a a selfish win to say, look at me, God. This is a win to say, look at you. And look at what you've done and look at who you are and look at the kind of amazing father you are. So speak to us and teach us. And God, we give it to you now and we give you our minds and our hearts. And God, we ask that you do something in us. And Father, I pray this now in Jesus' name, amen. So let's talk about this real quick. This word abide, would you write abide down on your outline? Because you're going to hear it a lot all through John 15, all right? This word abide, this making your home with, it really is a picture of fellowship, all right? So you can have a relationship with somebody, but no fellowship. Relationship means you're related, there's something in common, but you really know them. So in our 930 service, and I said, it's sort of like a cousin. How many of y'all have a cousin that you really don't know that well, but yet they're your cousin? Raise your hand if that's true of you. Now, I said last hour, maybe you really don't know them, but hey, I'm your cousin. I need somewhere to stay, and they're staying with you this week, all right? And so I did that as a joke, and then I met some cousins that came to stay with a family. That was bad, all right? And so they were like, we're those cousins, but we really didn't know them. Like, my bad, all right? And so, but fellowship relationship. Fellowship means there's an ongoingness to it. There's an activity to it. It's more than a name. It's It's mutual working back and forth this is all about us walking with god and god walking with us that's what this is about a couple things ready three things how do we stay in fellowship with god number one take in the word take in the word we will not stay in fellowship with god if we do not take in the word and here's the word i want you to write out beside it ready the word is daily daily take in the word if all you get is a tune-up and a fuel up on sunday mornings and that's all a god you get there are some amazing preachers around atlanta the best of the best of the best around atlanta but they'll only get you to tuesday or wednesday it just it's not enough It's a daily taking in the word. It's a every day going. Look at what Jesus said. If you do what in me? In me. And my words make their home in you. See, something makes their home when they're there every day. I think if I were to go around this room, Compass, True North, Patio, if you hadn't blown away, or those of you watching online, if I were to go around and interview you and say, 
do you want a walk like this with Jesus? Everybody would go, absolutely. Man, oh yeah, Mike, I absolutely want that. But the problem comes in that we don't build that time in our lives every day to meet with him, to put it away. Look at what he told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3. All scripture, this whole book, right? From Genesis to Revelation, all this scripture, it's God-breathed. And it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be completed and complete, equipped for every good work. This book has everything you need to know about life and godliness. And you can't build a life with Jesus apart from this book. You can't. You can't. It's daily. Well, Mike, getting hearing you on Sunday's enough, and, and I'll even go on Sunday nights and go hear Louie down there, who's awesome. Louie can get you to Thursday. I'll get you to Tuesday, all right? And so, I mean, these guys are amazing, but they can't, it's not enough. This book was written for you to take it and hide it away. There's, if I ever show up one week and go, I have a new word from the Lord to add to this book, leave, all right? And so, this is everything we need to know. Our job is to know it. But look at what he says in 1 Timothy. Train yourself for godliness. Think about this. Train yourself for godliness. What is training? Well, training is something you do every day. Train yourself. We train ourselves physically like they were in that video. This is a spiritual training. It is a day-by-day training. I got an email about two months ago and saying, hey, we want to invite you up to an alumni baseball game at the university I played at. Would you like to be a part of that and pitch an inning? And I respectfully went, absolutely not. All right, because I have not trained for that. I remember being a college student watching the alumni come back and laughing at them. I'm not going to be that guy, right? And so I haven't trained. You don't just show up, pick up a ball and go, oh, yeah, when I was 20, I could do this. They don't work like that. you got to train yourself for godliness. Look at what he says. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value, help me out, in what? Every way. Man, it's great to be physically trained. But godliness is better in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. I want you to write down a thought under number one. Ready? Spiritual growth only happens because God causes the growth. Spiritual growth only happens because God causes the growth. You don't grow spiritually apart from him. You can grow in knowledge, you can grow in all these other things, but you do not grow spiritually apart from him. And here's the key thought, ready? You're only as close to God, you're only as close to God as you want to be. You're only as close to God as you want to be. If all you want is a Sunday Jesus, congratulations, you can get him. But if you're like, Mike, I want to win the day. I want one day somebody stands up over me at a service and says, this is kind of woman. This is the kind of man this person was. And all of my days put together helped me create a winning life that matters for the kingdom. I want to be that guy. You can't do that without him being involved in your life every day. And I'm telling you, if I could walk around this room, everybody here would go, oh yeah, man, that's exactly what I want. 
then why don't we do it? Two reasons. I want you to write down two things. Distractions, number one. How many of y'all have distractions that happen post-church? You come to 930, you come to 11, and you're like, yes, I'm going to win this week for Jesus. And by 1 o'clock, you're off the skids. All right, how many of y'all that happens too? You're going, man, it started It started good. I got it all the way to the car. All right, and then somewhere after the car to the house, I don't know what happened. And then Monday morning comes, and it's like, okay, I'm going to begin my week. I'm going to open up Digging Deeper, which is a great tool we give you. I'm going to read Digging Deeper. And life happens. An appointment comes in. Something runs over. Gas lines are long. Somebody makes you mad, drive through slow, don't give you the right chance, and, and all of a sudden distractions, listen, distractions happen. Second thing that happens, discouragement. The enemy's two greatest weapons towards you growing in your life with Jesus, distractions and discouragement. And listen, we live in a world of distractions. Can you imagine being a teenager now? Can you imagine that? Back when I was a teenager, we didn't have technology like you have technology now right i didn't have that man there's distractions all around us there's images popping in our mind first thing we do when we get up we check our phone and there's already images going first thing there's emails there's things to do and we're distracted or stuff happens to us and we get discouraged and we're like i don't even know why i'm trying to walk with the lord because I'm not even making a difference. Mike, what do I do? Here's the third D. Here's the answer. It's discipline. It's the discipline every day. In spite of the distractions, in spite of the discouragement, it's the discipline. I need this every day. So maybe it's digging deeper. You've never read your Bible on your own. And that's a lot of people. Never read it on your own. It's a tool we put out. It's a daily devotion written off the message. And it's phenomenal. You can go to northstarchurch.org slash digging deeper. In a couple weeks, you're going to get an app that you'll be able to go to the app. Boom, you can hit it, and it'll be right there on your app every day. Go to YouVersion. Great tool. YouVersion devotionals. Go to a bookstore and get a devotional book. Why is that a big deal? It's a big deal because if you go, I want to read my Bible, and the first sucker you open to is Leviticus, and you're like, all right, I'm going to open it up. I want God to speak to me. You go, what in the heck? What does this mean? I'm going to call Mike. Mike, what does this mean? I'm like, I don't know. I, I don't know either. I, I can't help you out of that. We'll, we'll have to journey on that together. It's probably not a good place to start. Read the book of John. Get a devotional. But it's the discipline of doing it every day. Falcons kick off 1 o'clock today. I'm excited about that. Falcons kick off 1 o'clock. What if Matt Ryan in the offseason said, well, I'll, I'll get ready at the first training camp practice. He wouldn't be ready for the season. It doesn't work like that. It's the discipline to be your best every day. Everybody look at me. It's hard to do it physically. I want everybody, to, I want you to hear me. It's harder to do it spiritually. Can you all agree with me on that? It's harder to do it spiritually than it is physically because it has greater value to do it spiritually. Number two, man, y'all took so long to listen on point one. I'm almost not going to get done, all right? And so point number two, ready? Talk to the Father. Talk to the Father. I love what Jesus says to his guys here. Remember, we talked about this a little bit last week. They're teenagers. They're kids. They've been with him for three years. He's fed them. He's led them. He's encouraged them. He's chastised them. He's taught them. And now he's gone. 
Simon Peter's the oldest and the flakiest. All right, he's, he's on the front end in age, but probably social maturity is a little bit behind him. And so you got all this going on. And, and now Jesus said, I'm gone, guys. This is all on you. So look at what he says to them. Think of the context of this. If you abide in me, and my words abide or make their home in you, ask whatever you wish. And we're like, dude, I mean, I did see a car in the parking lot this morning. I thought I would look really nice in. Is that, is that exactly what he's talking about? Well, not exactly, because think about this. If you are abiding in him and his words are abiding in you, what are you going to ask for? Well, you're probably going to ask for the things that he wants for your life. But here's what's interesting. He tells them, remember what he told them? In a conversation with the disciples, on his way to the Garden of Gethsemane, but he does tell them, ask, help me out with this, this word. What is this? So, very nice here in the front. Somebody said whatever very loudly. And so, think, think about this. Think about this. What is he encouraging? He's encouraging two-way communication. He wants you to ask. God doesn't sit in heaven and hear your ask and go, they are so dumb. He doesn't do that. He doesn't look at you and go, I mean, are they just not bright? Here's what. He wants you to depend on him. But the closer you get to him, you learn what to ask for. What my children ask for at two isn't what they ask for at 20, right? Because maturities happen. If your kids are 20 and they're still asking for what they asked for it to, that might not be good, all right? And so that's probably not a good thing. There's a maturity that happens. When you spiritually grow in him, it changes the things that are important in your life. Does that make sense to everybody? Relationships. Think about fellowship. Relationship somebody I know. I know who they are. I don't really know them, but I know who they are. They may know who I am, but they don't really know me. Fellowship is somebody that I do life with. And that's, that's a buddy. That's fellowship. Somebody I break bread with. Somebody I hang out with. Somebody that I do life with. Westridge, our partner church, they're celebrating 20 years today. It's so exciting. Their pastor, Brian Boy, my best friend in another church in ministry. We do life together. Kids, we raised our kids together phenomenal guy that's that's fellowship how does fellowship happen what's well, a two-way street it's a two-way street so i did i had a doubleheader weekend all right i had a wedding friday night and a wedding saturday night all right that's a doubleheader weekend and so and and caught football games in between and so we had a wedding and a wedding and just think of those little couples that stood down there friday and saturday night they're getting ready to say i do to each other and build a life together. And I always talk about you're writing a new story, you're writing a new chapter. But what if from this point forward, only one of the party, the male or the female, the bride or the groom, chose to communicate from that point forward? The other one just didn't talk anymore. I told you how I felt. I don't need to tell you again. Is that relationship going to be good or bad? Some of you are afraid to say bad because that's your marriage, all right? And some of you are going, right, that guy right there. It's not good. That's not how you were created. We were created for fellowship. God says, you want to grow in me? You want to abide in me? Talk to me. Everybody look at me. And ask whatever you wish. 
He would rather you ask for something you don't need than to act like you can do it by yourself apart from him. You'll mature. You'll grow. Walk with him. Talk to the Father. Number three, obey out of love. Obey out of love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Obey out of love. All right, a little self-confession moment. There was a long period, not long, a few-year period in my Christian journey where I obeyed out of fear, not out of love. I obeyed out of guilt, not out of love. I don't know if that's true of your journeys. That's the way mine was. I didn't want to disappoint God. I didn't want to let God down. I didn't want to, I'm a, I'm a pleaser. I wanted to please my parents, wanted to please God. And it's an exhausting dance that you do to do that. His desire is that we obey out of love. That we so get how he feels about us that it changes how we live here. I want you to write down a little thought under number three because I I want you to hear what I'm saying, not what I'm not saying. Here's what I'm not saying. God loves you more if you read your Bible every day. That's not what I'm saying. We say this all the time and and because I want clarity. He loves you as much today as he's ever going to love you. All right? You don't do your devotion Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and God looks down and goes, I love them more. They are awesome. That doesn't work that way. He loves you as much today as he's ever going to love you. But when you spend your time in his word, you're going to love him more. And you're going to have a deeper desire to do it his way, not your way. You spend time in God's word every day and you pray every day and make that part of that journey, not just praying in the morning, but praying as you live out your life. Your life is going to honor him. I'm telling you. Listen to what he says. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. You know what you're going to find when you begin to walk with him every day? You're going to find out he loved you more than you thought he did. And his love is deeper than you thought it was. And his grace is sort of endless. But if all you do is show up on Sundays, you'll never know all that. I can tell you a lot about God from my best days. I can tell you more about him from my worst days. Because when you abide in him, and he abides in you, you do what he says. Not because you have to. You do it because you want to. You're like, what he has is better than anything the world has. So time out, real quick. How many of you would say there's been a point in your life, since you've been a believer, there have been some days, weeks, months, maybe years, that you didn't abide in the Lord and you did your own thing? Raise your hand. Looking back, are those times you regret or times you'd enjoyed? Well, there are probably times you enjoyed, but probably times you regretted. Because you made some choices you can't go back on. That's why when we win the day, when we abide in him, but look at how he ends this. An example of the fruit we'll receive, here's the fruit, ready? Joy, joy, J-O-Y, 
joy. That's the fruit we receive. Joy. Well, Mike, isn't that like happiness? No. Happiness is what goes on to us and around us. Joy is what's in us. So we're happy when we get a raise. We're happy when we get a new car. We're happy when life is good at home. We're happy when the kids aren't in trouble. We're happy when, when things are good. We're happy when our team wins. We're happy when the stocks are up. We're happy when the weather's nice. But what's the problem with all those things? Those all may go sideways. We may lose our job. Our kids may not be doing well. Things in life may not be doing good. So does that mean we live like this? No, joy sets the tone on the inside. Happiness is external. I want you to write this down. Joy is internal. Joy is internal. If you abide in me and I abide in you, let me tell you the fruit of that, joy. That's why here's the stories you're going to hear. From Houston to Florida. I lost everything. We're going to be okay. God's got us. It's joy. That's why you can look at some people that... The calamity, and I'm looking around our room, I've watched, I see some families here that have experienced calamity in life. But yet they hold their head high and they go, God's in control. I don't understand it. I don't get it. But God's got me. That's joy. Joy doesn't, life can't take joy. Why? Because life didn't give you joy. Jesus gave you joy. That's why. If you pin your life on those things keeping you up or down, man, you're going to live a roller coaster. These things I've spoken to you, I love, I love what Jesus says, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. When? Today. Walk with me every day. You want a life that counts? Abide in me on Monday. You want a life that works? Make your home with me on Tuesday. Carve out the time. Discipline your time. Distractions are coming. Discouragement's coming. Discipline your time to hear from me and talk to me. And my joy will be in you and your joy will be full. Would you pray with me? Father, I know what life throws. I know the stuff that can come. But God, I have never in all the years I've been doing this, almost 26 years, I've never met a person that regretted abiding in you. I've just met many who didn't abide that regretted it. But God, that abiding begins with a relationship. I know some may be sitting out here this morning and say, Mike, I don't even know Jesus, but I want to. I didn't know he came to do all this for me. He did. If that's you here today, and you say, Mike, I've never asked Jesus into my heart to be my personal Lord and Savior, can I lead you in a prayer to meet him? Could I? It goes like this. Dear Lord Jesus. Would you pray this? Dear Lord Jesus, I need you. I believe you lived for me. I believe you died for me. And I believe you rose again just for me. Come into my heart 
Lord Jesus and be my personal Lord and Savior today. It really aren't the words. It's the cry of your heart. Scripture says, everyone that calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If today you say, Mike, I prayed that prayer with you for the very first time and asked Jesus in my heart, would you just slip your hand up right where you are? Just slip it up and hold it up just for a second. We've got some hospitality team that would love to give you a little gift. Just slip your hand up and hold it up just for a second. Amen. Man, many of you, you may say, Mike, I, I need to abide more. Man, during this last song, May we make that our hearts cry to him, that we want to make our home in him and his home in us daily. God, thank you for this time in you and through you. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray.